listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at PharmacyPodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. Welcome to the Integra X-Files, a place where we'll explore and solve for the X-Factor that will help reshape the future of long-term care pharmacy. Join us to discuss topics and insights that will help you discover ways to grow your pharmacy, stay up to date on important legislative and regulatory issues, learn best practices for operating a profitable pharmacy business, and unlock the mysteries of technology. Join hosts Francis Nahas, Chief Strategy Officer for Red Sail Technologies, and Jim McDonald, Vice President of Sales at Integra, as they connect with experts and leaders in the field to bring you content that matters in long-term care. Welcome everybody to the Integra X-Files podcast. We are thrilled to be here again today. My name is Francis Nahas and I'm here with Jim McDonald, my co-host. And we've got a really incredible guest today that actually is not directly related to pharmacy, but we're thrilled to have him and to talk about just general running of a business and management and things we can do to continue to move forward. Jim, I'm going to throw it to you. Why don't you introduce our guest? Yeah. Hi, I'm Jim McDonald, uh, Vice President of Sales with Integra. And today we're going to have John Acuff, um, which is a New York Times bestselling author. He's got seven books. I think he has another in the works, including his most recent one, which is called Soundtracks. The Surprising Solution to Overthinking. I know I've never overthought anything. For over 20 years, he's helped some of the biggest brands in their industry, uh, like Home Depot, Bose, Staples, and so forth, um, really get down to down to business. And we're going to talk today about his book called Finish, which give yourself the gift of done and ways to avoid the pitfalls that sometimes get in the way. John, welcome to the podcast today. That was uh, uh, that was quite an intro. You've never had a problem <laughs> finishing. That makes you very rare. You are. Meanwhile, I'm fairly famous for having like 80 projects ongoing at any given point in time. Oh yeah, that are yeah, mostly that, done. Right in yeah, our business, that's about the way it is. Yeah, like close to done. Dunnish. 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 Dunnish is yeah, queen of. Well, Dunnish. thanks for having me today. I think it's going to be a fun conversation. And we're glad you're here. And additionally, you're speaking at our conference uh, in uh, June in San Antonio. Yeah, I can't that. wait. So. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, I'm love that we're we're doing live events again. So I, yeah. I can't wait to. I think it's going to feel like a family reunion for everyone who's there. Um, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're thinking about signing up, haven't signed up yet, definitely join us. Absolutely, can't echo that enough. So find that on the Integra website. If you guys are looking where to go to sign up for the conference. So awesome. So would love to hear you chat about, you went through this book. What inspired you to write it? Sure. Um, I think every great book or great business idea has three things in common. Um, there's a personal passion. You're connected to the content because you're going to talk about it for years. Um, mm. You know, I'm, I'm sure that if I sat down with some of the people listening to this right now and said, okay, well, what inspired you to be in pharmacy? What inspired you? There'd be a personal connection. Second thing is there's a need. Do people actually need this? Um, what I've learned over the years from a business or writing perspective is it's better to meet a need than invent a need. It's very expensive, very time consuming. 
consuming to invent a need. It's a lot of fun to meet a need. And the third thing is, is there a spot for me in the market? Can I disrupt something? Can I find my niche? Um, is the topic overdone? Is the market already served? And so when it came to finishing, I was a chronic starter. I had a thousand half started projects, whether it was fitness, things I was going to do or books I was going to write or notebooks I wrote 10 pages in and then got a different color. Um, so I had a personal connection and thought, I want to finish more. Um, we saw a need. I wrote a book called Start a few years ago, and a lot of people came up to me and said, hey, no offense. I liked your book Start, but I've never had a problem starting. I can start a thousand things tomorrow. We've all got, you know, URLs. We've registered at GoDaddy for some big idea we're going to do someday. So true. <laughs> and so I saw the need. And then the third one was the market. And I went to my market's easy to figure out. My market's Amazon. That's where most books are sold. So I went to Amazon and I typed in the mm. word finish. And the only thing that came up was dishwasher detergent. Because we, <laughs> as a Western culture, celebrate the beginning. We over celebrate the beginning. We ignore the middle. We ignore the finish. So I thought, okay, I've got the three things that require me to spend years and years doing research and talking to thousands of people. I'm going to go explore what does it take to really finish. And so once I had those three elements, that's kind of my Venn diagram for, okay, I think this could be something that helps a lot of people. That's, that's awesome. So, so you mentioned something in there, which, and, and this is, there's seven recommendations in the book. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go through those in order. Everybody should go out and buy the book read the book, right? I think buy it in bulk is what I've been telling. Like we yeah, are that's right. Buy, oh, buy a pallet, like, like, right? like yeah, the pallet. black beans. Yeah, like exactly. Black beans, yeah, exactly. But I'm going to tease out an idea based on something you said, which is sure. um, it was fun. So one of the things I've said when, when we're in business, right, we, we're talking to a lot of folks on the podcast who run businesses, work in businesses, is when the going gets tough, make it a game. Mm-hmm. It's dramatic how much sort of putting a little game in there, putting a little competition or something like that makes going through really challenging times um, a heck of a lot easier and way more fun. And so that was something that really jumped out at me in your book was this concept of, you know, it's a heck of a lot easier to get things done when you actually think they're fun. So I would love to hear you talk a little bit about how you bring elements of fun into projects to get you over the finish line. Yeah. So that was one of the biggest surprises of the research was that fun matters. Cause I, I talked to all these companies. I think I have the best job in the world. I get to sit on the front row of 50 of the best classrooms in the world every year. And I get to say, okay, wow, here's what FedEx is doing. I can bring it forward to this small company, or here's what Range Rover is doing. I can bring it forward to this software company or this pharmacy company. And so I'd go to all these businesses and the ones that were really thriving made fun a priority. It wasn't accidental. It was on purpose. And it was, and it was genuine. And it, it wasn't, sometimes businesses confuse fun with whimsy or silly. And that's, that's not what we're talking about. And so we really studied that. So we asked the research participants in this um, study we did to make their goal fun. And when I say that, I mean, add fun. Like there's a big difference between making something fun and having fun. Going on vacation, you have fun. When you make something fun, you add some deliberate fun to something that's challenging. Um, So I'll give you an example from my own life. I stepped off stage a few years ago um, and somebody said, hey, I love following you on Instagram. You're so funny and tall. She said one of those things. Um, (laughs) I'm just trying to get them both out there. Five foot seven. Yeah, five. I know it's not. I'm not like... I'm not going to make the NBA when everybody says you can be anything you want to be. No, you, no, you can't, you can be the best you and that's great. But there's seven people in the history the 75 year history of the NBA that are my height or shorter. So I don't like, there's a lot of motivational fluff. I just don't subscribe to, 
But she said, I didn't know you wrote a book. And that was a punch in the stomach. That was her saying to me, you're not very good at your business because when people book me to speak, that's often the first thing they look to. They go to my Instagram, they look at my social media and they go, what has he done? Has he written books? Has he spoken at other clients like us? And I went to my Instagram feed and I realized, oh, she's right. It's mostly jokes about queso and pictures of dogs I want to pet. And it wasn't the best front door for my business. And so I recognize I'm not naturally good at social media. I, I'm just not. I'm not a social media native. It's a big part of my business, though. So I knew I needed to make it fun. So I went to the most honest person I know, my 18-year-old daughter. And I said, am I good at social media? And she said, you use it like an old man. And I said, well, you're, you're hired and you're grounded. Um, it was right, a right, both. for her. Both, and yeah. so I tied that goal to interaction with my daughter because I have kids the age that no longer run down the front yard when I come home. I run into the house to find them. run away. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They're surprised I've been gone. I'll go, hey, it's great to see you. And they go, where you gone? I was like, I was in Cleveland last night. And they go, okay, I was really busy with band. So I wanted to connect that situation to that goal because I knew we would have fun together. I knew it'd create another interaction moment. And so what you do is you get really creative and say, okay, these are the 10 things I have to do. And I tend to put these off. These are the calls I don't want to make. These are the sales charts I don't want to run, whatever it is. And then you go, what would be a little bit of fun? And it can be a small reward. It can be when I do these three difficult things, I get to go to a movie by myself, which isn't massive. It could be a little bigger. I, I said that, you know, I purchased a pair of ski boots when I finished a manuscript and if you've never rented ski boots, it's like renting prisons for your feet. It <laughs> ruins the experience. And I yeah. never owned my own ski boots. So I said, someday when I finish this difficult goal, I get to buy my own ski boots. And for the rest of my life, when I look at those ski boots, I'm reminded, oh, I can do difficult things. So it's just an invitation to go, what hmm. motivates me? How do I add some fun to the things that aren't naturally fun? And it really ends up driving you long-term. That's awesome. That's yeah. really cool. Jim, I'm going to tee it up if you've got questions, because otherwise, you know me, I will just keep going. Well, and one of the interesting things in your book, and I listened to it today, was that you chase the wrong ghost. Yep. Um, I like I like that analogy. Yep. Uh, tell us about the wrong ghost. And also, you're a blue belt. And uh, so that, I noticed <laughs> that, too. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, blue belt and uh, Kenpo karate. <laughs> well, I mean, chasing the wrong ghost is it goes back to that that idea that, okay, the start matters most. We say things in our culture like this, well begun is half done, or the hardest part of any journey is the first step. And that feels right, like it feels right. But then you actually pull the thread on that and go, but what does that mean? You should look at every motivational business advice and go, but what does that mean? How, like, what are they really saying? Well begun is half done. If a surgeon said to you, as soon as I've made the first incision, I'm like halfway done with your surgery, you would say, where did you go to school? Like, that doesn't sound right. Mm -hmm. The hardest part of any journey is the first step. That's not even a little true. We have kickoff parties. We have launch parties. Mm -hmm. like, the hardest part of any journey is the middle. Like, where do people cheer at marathons? At the beginning, at the end, the middle is hard and lonely. And it's true of every project at every job you've ever mm -hmm. had. I've never had a manager say, hey, we're at the worst part of the project. Time for some middle cake. So <laughs> I really wanted to say, instead of focusing on the start, which I've made, I've really focused on, I've done that. What if I was deliberate about how do I push through that middle? How do I actually finish these things? And what does it take to get me through that process? And that's been what's so fun about the last few years is working with teams that go, okay, you've got so many of the pieces already in place. You've got so many of the things. How do we actually get them over the finish line? Which is challenging because 
our our world is really distracted. I mean, there's so many, there's 50,000 developers at companies right now whose entire business model is Jim's time. Their whole goal is how do I get more of Jim's time, which takes you away from the thing you're going to do and trying to do and trying to focus. And, and it's essentially, we've put casinos in our pockets with our phone. Yeah. Your phone uh, is a casino. <laughs> every app, every single app, other than the calculator is trying to sell you something and distract you. And so it's really, really challenging. It's really, really hard to finish. And so I wanted to kind of level the playing field for anyone like me that would say, okay, um, the world will never be changed by the things I almost did. Like, yeah. I know that it'll never be changed by the things I almost did. Sure. How do I, how do I make sure that I actually finish? And that's what, that's what inspired me to keep working on this project, to keep helping companies and individuals and entrepreneurs and small business owners go, okay, oh no, no, I can finish that. Even in a sea of endless opportunities and bottomless distractions, I can finish the things I care about. That's, that's awesome. I, I yeah. laugh and in business as a strategy person, we like to call that the shiny object disease. Yeah, oh yeah. Exactly. They're everywhere. Like the shiny, next shiny, shiny, thing. Object, shiny object. And it's like, no, actually like focus on the thing. Focus They're on the everywhere. Thing, you know? Well, and that's the other thing is that the middle is like, the middle is naturally boring. So unfortunately right. the beginning is naturally exciting. So what happens is you get to the middle and you go, this is kind of boring. In the beginning, a new project is like, hey, but you know you're going to get a little dopamine over here. Huh? Right, How about right. it? How about it? And you go, okay. And then you just you just go to that start, 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 start. And you end up looking back at the end of the year and going, okay, but what did I actually get over the finish line? So it's a very human thing. I, there's no shame in not finishing. I'm, I'm the king of that. I've just learned some principles over the years that, I mean, I'm, you know, I didn't write any books the first 34 years of my life. Um, I'll have my eighth come out this year. So in the last 12 years, I've written eight. I didn't write any of the first 34 years. What changed? I learned how to finish and it's really fun. It's really fun when you figure it out. That's awesome. That's awesome. The other one that I loved relative to, and I'm going to take a weird business slant on this. Was, I love weird. Let's go. Okay. So was getting rid of secret rules. Yeah. yeah. And the ones that I see, the thing that resonated when I started thinking about business in here was the things you do, cause you've always done mm -hmm. yep. hence a bit where it's like, well, we always make that report. So I have to do that report before we can do whatever else. Or like, of course these things have to happen, but do they really, do they really have to happen? So those, yeah. those secret rules, those things that you just do as an organization um, that really resonated to me and the questions of kind of, you know, what's really my goal. Does it actually, does it actually match what we're trying to achieve? Mm -hmm. um, is it time to quit? Is a great question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think there's this, there's a real benefit to going says who, like, that's yeah. a good one to ask every now says and then. Who, like that. Yeah. 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 But why, um, what's the benefit? I, you know, I'll give you an example from my own industry that I, I experienced just the other day. Somebody said, I said, Hey, I want to, I want to release a book in the fall, not the spring. Last two books I wrote came out in the spring. And, and somebody said, an industry expert said, well, you know, I mean, your people are used to them coming out in the spring. And I said, wait, a, wait a second. What? Nobody, nobody is like, wait a second. It's spring. A John book should be out. That's not yeah. how anybody, nobody <laughs> right, sets right. their calendar. To I my the calendar. I mean, yeah. Like, no, they find out about the books when I email them about the books or I stand on stage. Like nobody would go, you know, it's March and something doesn't feel right right now. Like, have we, are we missing a John Acuff book? So, so that was the first old secret, like old rule that you have yeah. to release at the same time. The second thing they said to me was, 
well, you know, in the fall, that's when all the big books come out. I don't know if you want to be in in with the big books. And I said, well, that's just like a dig right there. Like, come on, mine's a well, big book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a yeah, dig, but I'm also, <laughs> but like what they're saying is 30 years ago, shelf space mattered a lot. So they'd go, they have three places on the main shelf mm. and you don't want to compete with those other three books during the fall. That's not where people purchase books the anymore. Digital it's, shelf. It's, different. Yeah. it's a yeah. digital shelf. And this is saying like, but there's even new secret rules where it's like, your cover has to stand out in a thumbnail on Amazon. No one browses Amazon for books. No one goes, I'm just going to scroll through the business books Ooh, just like to that. see. And like, no, they don't look at thumbnails. Like you go, oh, my friend recommended this book or, oh, I heard about this book in a podcast. You go to the book. No one casually walks through Amazon. No one is. It's not like going to Barnes and Noble where you're. But if you take yeah. this old thinking to the new model, you end up missing opportunities in the new model. And so I think that what a, a great thing to do is to just get in the habit of asking those questions, ask them quarterly, ask them every six months. Even if you said to the team at the end of the year, the end of the year review, are we doing anything because we just think we're supposed to do that? Are there any old ways we should retire? Are there any old rules that we're living against that are no longer true? And you'll be surprised if you if you create a space where people can actually answer that, you'll be surprised at things that people go, yeah, we're doing this in 12 steps and there's actually an app that does it in two. And you're like, oh, I, I had no idea. That's like, let's eliminate those other 10. That's fantastic to hear. But unless you pause and can do that and have a space for it, we're all moving so quickly that sometimes we repeat the old way a thousand times before we've recognized it's the old way. It's the, yeah, exactly. That we we're doing it just because we always have. Yeah. yeah. That, that's the only Sa reason. Sacred cows is kind yep. of, you know, not, yep. the, not yep. people, but the process. Exactly. Oh yeah. 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 So the other one, and we, we spent a lot of time on this is measurement. And I, I was chuckling to myself a little bit because of course um, you have your nice, it's not fun to talk about smart goals dig. Um, yeah. But <laughs> But I think they're great. Them? They're just incomplete. They're, they're, they're just I incomplete. think they're amazing. They're just incomplete because there's no fun. Like That's which of those words is remotely related to joy? Like time bound? You know, right. like there's not there's not one. In my head, I was like, they should be smurf goals, just like throw out the time bound. And yeah, <laughs> it's probably they probably wanted to, but it was awkward to say. And so they're right. like, you know right. what? Yeah. With smurf, nobody's gonna we're not gonna sell any units if we say right. smurf goals. Who's exactly. gonna remember that? Who's gonna yeah. remember that? But it's also true. It's like what gets measured gets done. That's something we say all the time. And so that that data piece is really, really important. Um, we're huge believers in the more data you have. Well, no, no, I shouldn't say that. Because we're huge believers in measurement. Um, mm -hmm. more data is not always better. The right data is yeah. the mm -hmm. most important thing. Um, would love your thoughts on sort of how how you utilize it. Hey, for somebody who's running a small business, how should they think about how data serves them and what they should be measuring? You're right. I think there's two extremes. There's no data. And there's like, I need to know on Tuesdays when it's rainy, what the people with red hair do like, mm -hmm. and you go, that's not going to change anything for us. How do we land in the middle between those two extremes? Um, so where I think it's really important is where you're making new decisions. Um, especially, you know, we live in a world where the, the squeaky wheel gets the oil and, yep. and you might, you want to go, well, how many wheels is that? Because if it's one wheel and we're going to change a process for one person because they were the loudest, but it's going to hurt a hundred other relationships, maybe that's just not the person we're trying to, to serve right now. Right. So I think whenever you're making a decision as a small business owner, you want to at least have a couple points of data to go, 
wait a second. Well, why does that, you know, like, what are we talking about? Um, how many people will this impact? Because you can get really emotional about decisions and spend a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of stress on things that if you pause for a second and said, wait, 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 how many people does this impact? And you might be surprised that somebody comes back and goes, um, it was seven. And where data helps is where people use absolutes and you're able to put real math behind absolutes. So somebody goes, everyone hates this new thing we're doing. And you go, everyone. Okay. How many complaints have we received? Can you show them? Yeah. And they'd say, yeah, two. And you go, can you show me the two? And they go, well, I like, I saw one, but I heard about another one. And you go, so one, we have one point of data. Well, incredible. Got, yeah. yeah. Six people in this meeting, this meeting is very expensive. We have, so anytime you hear an absolute or everyone's asking for this, my favorite example, um, and it came from the medical field was a friend of mine who manages a group of neurosurgeons, neurosurgeons, like very bright people. Yep. One of them said, Hey, we have to build another office in Murfreesboro. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. Murfreesboro is about 40 minutes away. They said, I saw four people this week from Murfreesboro. We need an office in Murfreesboro. So my friend who's the manager said, well, let me, let me pull the data. Let me, you know, like you're excited about it. You saw four people this week. Let me pull the data. He pulled the data from the last year. There had only been eight people total from Murfreesboro. This neurosurgeon saw four of them in a week, which is unusual, but it's not enough to build a business. You'd never open a business and go, I see eight customers. We should get a building out there in Murfreesboro. And four but, of them are one day a year. Exactly. Yeah, four right, of them exactly. are one day a year. So yeah. like, it's one of those things where you get enough, you, you want to get enough data for you to make a great decision, not to get paralyzed. And it's a constant tweaking. I wish, I mean, data would be amazing. I could say, if you get 7.4 forms of it, that's the right amount. You have to kind of tweak that and figure out for my team, for what we're doing, how many pieces of data help, which pieces don't help. So it's an ongoing process, but you never want to, you never want to have none. And you never want to say until we have all the data, we can act. We don't live in an all data world. By the time you make the decision, some more data will have shown up. We do not live in an all data world. We live in enough data in that you as a leader go, I've got enough data. I feel good about this decision. I feel confident enough to make it and we'll figure it and we'll learn along the way. So, so the takeaway on data is apply the same perfectionist <laughs> <laughs> rules and tools. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't go crazy. Don't, right. don't ignore it. There's more than, that's the thing. There's more don't than wait two for options. It to be perfect. Yeah, yeah, there's more yeah. than two options. You'll never like, and I, you know, data sometimes tells you data, data makes a promise occasionally that it says, I'll prevent you from ever making a mistake. Data won't do that. Like, you know, there was not a single person there. Like you think about shipping, you talk about a, like an industry that has logistics dialed in, not a single person in the shipping industry was like, but what if we jam a boat in the Suez Canal? What will that do? Like, not a, like that was none of them had that in the cards for that day. None of them. And they're experts. They went to college. They, they have masters and PhDs and moving big things around the ocean. And nobody said, hey, real quick, I just want to run a scenario that just hear me what out. If? We jam yeah. a huge boat and like it messes up toilet paper in Topeka, Kansas. Like nobody had that. And so Data will inform you. Um, it's it's not going to protect you from ever making a mistake, and it's not going to guarantee that you actually win the thing forever. But it's going to help you make way better decisions, and it unifies the team because now you're not arguing emotions; you're speaking to math, and that's way easier to speak to as a team. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
I think the Suez Canal thing was a noble obstacle. I think isn't that what that was? Maybe? <laughs> no, no, no. Suez Canal is just a terrible boat situation. That is, there's no chapter to be. I mean, somebody in a naval boat like book should write that. I'm I'm not qualified other than to go. Wow, we jammed a big boat in the Suez Canal. I hadn't thought about the Suez Canal in ten years, and then yeah. all, it was all I could think about. Right, dominated the news for a week. It was fantastic. Yes. So. Why don't you tell us, we've been talking about the finish. I want to give you a chance to tell us you've got a new book out. Tell yep. us a little bit about what the new book's about. Sure. The new book is called Soundtracks, um, and it's about how do you build a winning mindset. Um, mindset is one of those topics that goes fuzzy and holistic immediately. Um, when you talk about it, it gets really kind of earthy. And, and I love to simplify complicated things. How do you finish a goal? Let me simplify it. Here's some steps. Right. How do you build a mindset? Here's some simple ways to do it that are practical and actionable that a company or a team can actually use. And so the PhD, this guy, Mike Peasley, who helps me with my research, we asked 10,000 people if they struggle with overthinking and 99.5% of them said yes. And we used the sample size that big because most of the time when you see an article online, it's like 50% of Republicans, 50% of Democrats. If you actually read the article, they asked 11 people and four of them exactly. were named Larry. <laughs> yeah. And so, Statistics. Yeah. yeah. And so we asked all these people and that was before 2020. 2020 was catnip for overthinking. Like, yeah. because right now everything is a thing. Like I met somebody the other day and they went to shake my hand and I thought, wait a second. Should I fist bump? Is that scientifically safer? Should I twist at the waist and give them an elbow? Should I shake their hand, but immediately put my entire arm into a vat of hand sanitizer? Is it right, to say, right. excuse me one yeah. second while I scrub what off this do I do? deadly pandemic you just tried to murder me and my grandparents with? Then I started looking in a room like, are other people shaking hands here? What does that say about us politically? Do you know what I thought about three years ago when somebody tried to shake my hand? Nothing. I just shook right. their hand. hand. But now every part of your life, every part of your business has all these extra layers of thought. So we did this big study to figure out how do you turn overthinking from a super problem into a superpower? And there's some really practical, tangible things you can do. And what's fun from a business perspective is great thoughts turn into great actions, great actions turn into great results. And mm -hmm. often, especially small business owners, over-focus on the result they want, but they never change the underlying thought. And so nothing ever changes. And so that's what the book's about. That's awesome. Excellent. Super fun. So the thing we do in every podcast before we get to the end, and, and this is going to be tough because if we think about the book, The Finish, you've got seven recommendations, but we ask folks to tell us what's the X factor. So for folks who listen to this podcast, what's the one thing they should take away that's something they do differently? Now, my answer from this podcast is going to be middle cake. Yeah. But <laughs> celebrate the middle, celebrate, the, celebrate middle. the middle, middle cake. But what's the one thing you'd love folks to kind of walk away from this and, and do differently? Well, I mean, I think that they have permission to add fun to their goals. We tend to think a goal has to be difficult or miserable to count. And I think that makes goals really hard. I don't want us to ever add additional complications and difficulty to something that's already hard. I want us to do the opposite. I want you to stack the deck in your favor. I want you to stack the odds in your favor. And so the thing I would say is that, you know, whether you have a business goal you're working on right now, whether you have a fitness goal you're working on right now, whatever type of goal to make sure it's something that you can figure out how to enjoy, because if you can enjoy it, you'll do it a whole lot longer and you'll work at it a whole lot longer. And often small business owners, especially started with that, but because of the stress of running stuff, the, the stress of leading stuff, they've taken a thousand steps away from it and they haven't paused long enough to go, wait a second. I started because of this. Why did I? And it's, this happens to me constantly. The other day, my wife said, hey, um, 
you had a meeting at two o'clock on good Friday. She was like, you're the CEO. Like you, like companies are closed. You run the company. So like, I don't want to hear that. Like, I don't know what to tell you. My boss is terrible. Like you're the boss. And she was right. And she called me out on it. And so I think it's so easy as we hustle to grow things, as we hustle to scale things, as we have all these things we need to do to take steps far away from why we started in the first place. And so I just challenge people to go, you have permission to make sure you're connecting some fun and joy to what you're working on. And it actually makes you more productive. It actually Uh, makes you perform better. And thinking about the last two years for, for pharmacies in particular, that's probably really timely advice to say, Hey, it's been a really rough couple of years in healthcare. It's okay to bring some fun back into a hundred percent. And we, and we want you to, and we, you know, we, we'd be excited that you do. And, and if you're waiting for permission, that's not coming. Like you have to be the permission. Like you have to be the one that goes, okay, here's the line I'm drawing. This is what I'm going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Um, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to wait until somebody says, okay, now you can, or, you know, we want you to be able to do that. And we want to do that with you. Awesome. If it wasn't fun, it'd be just a job. So got to throw some fun in there. Well, that's the thing. If you're not passionately connected to it, So like I started, this is kind of a a good wrap up. I started with the three things I look for in a book, passion or a project or a business, passion, need, and marketplace. If you have need and market, you see something people need, you find a place in the market, but you don't have passion, you created a day job. That's a new day job for you. And and so you want to keep saying, okay, wait a second, wait a second, how do I? And here's here's a question I'll leave people with. When it comes to figuring that out, just answer one question. Who am I doing this difficult job for? Who am I doing this difficult job for? I asked a room full of hospital CEOs that question. And this one woman raised her hand and she said, I do this job for the donor walk. And I said, what's the donor walk? And she said, well, when we're having somebody who's donating an organ, we line the halls, the doctors, the administrators, and we cheers their wheel into surgery. That's the donor walk. That's why I do this job. And so I would just encourage you to think that, and you know, and it could be, it can be your family because you want to show your kids what it looks like to be connected. It can be the people in your community. It can be sales reps. It can be the team you get to lead. It can be a million different people, but at least pause for a second and go, okay, wait a second. Who am I doing this very difficult job for? Cause it is a difficult job and make sure you're connected to that. That just that's a great connection to the idea of the, the donor walks. <laughs> yeah. That's a great connection to our customer as well. It is a tough job. So that's great. Well, yeah, because you guys, I mean, it's, it's medicine. Like it's not a widget. It's medicine. It's It's people's lives. It's people's lives. It's intimate. I mean, there's sometimes where I have to figure out six degrees of Kevin Bacon to where a business touches a person's life. I don't have to do that with anyone listening to this right now. So that's where I encourage you is that there's real people um, and, and you get to serve them in real ways. And so I think the more you can kind of reconnect to that, especially after the last two years, especially where we've come through and everything's been so divisive and, and hot and spicy in the streets, like now you can go, okay, well, who am I doing this very difficult job for? And, and remember that. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate your time today. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to see you guys soon. It's going to be yeah. a blast. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Everybody go out, buy John's books. And Jim, why don't you tell us where they can register for the Integra conference if they haven't already? Uh, the website is 2022alwaysforward.com or the other is integraconference.info. Those will both give you ability to register, see what the classes are, what the program is, and uh, should get you to be able to sign up there. 
Wonderful. Thank you, everybody. We hope you have a wonderful day and we hope you enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Integra X-Files. We'd like to hear from you and gain your perspective on the X-Factor and improving long-term care pharmacy. Connect with us at IntegraXFiles.com. That's IntegraXFiles.com.